What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The following podcast is going to contain spoilers. There will also be talk of a man eating live spiders in the nude. So consider yourself well and fully warned. Proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of the Stephen R. Else podcast, the only show that's tired of trying to come up with something unique to say each and every week here in the intro. I'm your host, Stephen, and it's freaking windy outside. I don't know if that's going to come across at all in this recording, but the wind is a blowing. You know, they say March, it goes, comes in like a lion and out like a lamb. Is that right? Am I remembering that from grade school? For those of you who are new to the podcast, I record in my car. I'm out here with my phone in a parking lot recording in my car because I work two jobs and when I'm home, I'm home. I don't I don't have much time. I don't I don't have a lot of time to do much of anything at home other than just be with my freaking family when I am home. So when I have that opportunity to be home with my family, I take advantage of that, and I try not to do any podcasting stuff at home. I don't always succeed at that. There are weeks in which I do have to do podcasting stuff at home, but in general, I try to keep I try to keep it out of the house. So yeah, it's windy uh, again. If so, if you hear some weird wailing in the background, that's not a that's not a banshee coming to eat my soul. It's just the wind outside. So hey. If you're sitting there listening to me talk about the wind and you're saying, you know what? Shut up about the wind. Where the heck is my second Superman episode? You, This is March, brother. It's supposed to be Superman month. You did the death of Superman first episode in March. That went great. And then second episode in March. What? That was not a Superman episode. And now here we are, third episode. And it's called Craven's Last Hunt. What does that have to do with Superman? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to explain that to you in a little something that I like to call announcements or else. All right, so I've had to make some changes to Superman month. In other words, I'm not doing Superman month, okay? I'm still going to do the four trades. I'm going to do one. I did... uh, Death of Superman in March. I'll do Funeral for a Friend in April. I'll do uh, The Reign of the Superman in May. And then The Return of Superman in June. Now, there's a reason for this. The decision that I made to do this Superman month thing was one of the dumb, just one of those dumb decisions I tend to make about the podcast. You know, back in January, I was thinking I had a little more time on my hands. There wasn't a lot going on. And I, you know, I could do this. I could easily read one trade a week and talk about it 
and 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 make the take the notes, talk about I could do that. I have the time. And that might have been the case in January. But you know what they say, the the old saying, life is what happens when you're making other plans. That's kind of what happened with uh Superman month. I going into March the time I had on my hands just evaporated. And I barely had enough time to get that first episode, that Death of Superman episode recorded. I it, That was a last minute thing. And Funeral for a Friend, okay, so I like to try to record my episodes on Thursday. Today, for example, is Thursday as I'm recording this. In a pinch, I will do it Friday morning because I go in late to work on Fridays and I have the house to myself for a few hours because everyone is gone, either work or school. And so in a pinch, I will sit down at the table and record something at home. I don't like to do it on Friday. I like to have it all done on Thursday and then I have Friday to edit. Uh, So here's what happened with Funeral for a Friend. By the end of the day Friday, by the end of the night, I didn't finish uh, Funeral for a Friend until late Friday night. I had I had finished it. I put the show notes together, but it was too late for me to record on Friday. And I just didn't get the... I didn't have an opportunity at all on Saturday or Sunday to record it. So late Sunday night, I was sitting on my couch. Uh, I was tired. It was, it was... I needed to go to bed. I had to get up early the next morning. And I was contemplating on what I was going to do. I was either going to, you know, skip a week, which I didn't want to do. I didn't want to have a week go by without an episode. Uh, Or I could try to throw something together real quick. And and so that's why I put last week's episode together using two episodes from my new show, Event or Else. So that's what we're doing going forward. That's why today's episode is not a Superman episode. So we'll do Funeral for a Friend in April. It's still coming. I got all the show notes. I'm ready to go. I just want to make sure now that I'm prepared. What I've learned from this is I shouldn't schedule anything when it comes to this show. I should just play it by ear as I normally do because honestly, I find that those those are the best episodes. All right, so more announcements. Um, I have a new t-shirt available. It's uh, You can get it in black or red and it it features the artwork that Harold uh, C. Jennett III put together for the event or else podcast cover. You can see that over at teespring.com slash stores slash shop dash or dash else. Don't worry about writing that down. I'll put that in the show notes. Don't worry about writing that down. The last thing I have for you uh, before we get into the show, actually, I got two more quick things. (sighs) One of the things that has got me so busy lately is two weeks ago. Actually, it's been no two weeks ago. I started dieting. If you're if you're not aware, I'm a big fella. I'm large. I'm rotund. I'm a large man. I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but I started a diet two weeks ago, and so far, two weeks later, I have lost 4.6 pounds. It's not as much as I wanted to lose, but I tell you what, if you're if you're healthy and trim, and you've already been that way, then you don't understand what it's like for someone who's huge and has lived a certain lifestyle for many, many years, which is the reason why they're huge. And then that person has to make that decision to completely change, completely change practically every aspect of their life in order to become healthy. 
And so that's what I've been doing for two weeks. I have been living a completely different life. And by that, I mean, I've been trying to eat more fruits and vegetables. Um, so that's been kind of occupying my headspace the last couple of weeks. Uh, I lost more weight the first week than I did the second week. And now I'm starting to realize that uh, I knew that I was going to have to become a more active person at some point if this was all going to work. So that's going to, that's my goal for the third week. So you may get little updates each week about how the diet is going, especially if I'm losing weight. Because if I'm losing weight, I'm going to feel better about myself. And uh, I want to spread that, spread that joy. So that's what I'm doing. And if I ever come across angry in the podcast, it's because I want a freaking Twinkie and I can't have one, even though I'm a grown man and I should be able to eat a gosh darn Twinkie if I want to eat a Twinkie. That's, I think, one of the hardest things I've had to overcome so far in these two weeks is the fact that there's that part in your brain that says, you know what? I am a grown man. You can't tell me what I can or can't do. I make my own decisions. You can't tell me that if I don't want to eat a bag of donuts before bed, that I, I, I'll do it if I want to. But I have to be the one to tell me, no, you can't. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about real quick before we get into Craven's Last Hunt is uh, iTunes. I am going to start, I don't want to have to start doing this, but I want, I'm just imploring folks, please, if you can, if you can go out to iTunes and just leave me a review, I would be much appreciative. Um, I've got two and I'm very thankful for both of those, but it's not enough for me to even have a rating yet on iTunes and I need those reviews. So please, if you can go to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. It doesn't have to be anything. You don't have to write a book. Just give me, you know, however many stars you feel is fair and just, I enjoy the show or the show's okay. Or, you know, that would be a great show if Steven wasn't on it, you know, whatever. Just speak from your heart. That's all I'm saying. All right. So those are our announcements. That means we're going to get into Raven's last hunt. Okay, so Craven's Last Hunt was a six-part saga. I'm calling it a saga because at the end of each issue, it said, the saga continues in, and then it would tell you what issue to go to next. It ran from October to November in 1987, and it ran through the three Spider-Man titles that were being produced at the time. So so the first part was in Web of Spider-Man 31. It went into Amazing Spider-Man 293. And from there, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, number 131, and then Web of Spider-Man 32, Amazing Spider-Man 294, and Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 132. It was written by J.M. DeMatteis, pencils by the great Mike Zeck. I tell you what, I have been Mike Zecking it up, up in this place. You know what I'm saying? I'm right now, I over the other podcast I'm doing, Event or Else, I'm going through the 12 issues of Secret Wars. Currently, uh, Issues one through three, those episodes are out. And issue number four will be out on Wednesday. Uh, But that's done by Mike Zeck, with the exception of a few issues in the middle. I got Craven's Last Hunt here, Mike Zeck. I read uh, four old Captain America books from 83 or 84, Mike Zeck. And I have that uh, Punisher four-issue mini that Mike Zeck did, ready to read. So... 
between Mike Zek, if I, if I'm not reading Mike Zek, I'm reading some John Byrne. It's like I've been really into the into the really old stuff lately. Anyway, it was inked by Bob. Um, I'm always I'm always unsure how to pronounce this dude's name. I I always want to say McLeod, but it's M C L E O D, so McLeod. I don't know. Letters by Rich Parker, colors uh, by Janet Jackson, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, Bob Sharon, and Mike Zek. All right, so as the as the story opens up, we open up with Craven crouching in the shadows, and that man is naked. He is buck naked, and he starts training. He's training for battle, but the way he's training, he, it's it's like he's in he's in his trophy room, so he's got like this stuffed gorilla and a stuffed cheetah or something, and he's like he's fighting them. He's fighting stuffed taxidermied animals. I don't, I don't know. I suppose that helps you keep your edge. And of course he's doing it completely naked. Yes, I'm saying naked and not naked. That's N-E-K-K-I-D, naked. I'm from Kansas. That's what we say. I actually say naked. I just think naked's funny. So eventually he, uh, he stops training and he goes and pours himself a drink. In the meantime, there's a dude outside, one of his assistants. He's outside in the pouring rain and he's digging a grave. Hmm. I wonder who that's for. Craven is, he's uh, being very, uh, you know, he's thinking deep thoughts about Russia because he's from Russia and he's thinking of his parents and how they were his, his, uh, you know, his ancestors were, were, were bullied out of Russia by Lenin and, and all those guys. And, uh, he's pouring himself a drink and he's, he's, he's having his drink and he goes into the main hall of his mansion and there's what looks like a, a, some, so it's like he's getting ready for a funeral. There's a, there's a coffin at the end of the hall. He goes to the coffin and, uh, he pulls out from within the coffin, uh, a Spider-Man costume. Now this is the black and white Spider-Man costume. So this is actually, uh, he's gotten rid of the symbiote. I don't know if Venom has made an appearance yet. I don't believe he has. I don't think Venom, uh, has made an appearance. Actually, he hasn't because I think Venom appears in, in issue 300 of Amazing Spider-Man. Anyway, so he pulls out the Spider-Man costume and he starts to cry because he, uh, he's a sensitive bad guy. Meanwhile, uh, in another part of the city, there's a group of criminals, like street-level thugs. And they're holding a funeral at this uh, crappy little bar for a guy named Joe Face. And he is uh, he's a snitch. I don't know if these guys know it. I don't think they, they make a point to let us know if the guy's who are having the funeral for him know that he's a snitch, but he would snitch to Spider-Man apparently quite often. And so Spider-Man comes to pay his respects. Um, however, of course, you know, you got a bunch of criminals gathered together. Spider-Man drops down in the middle of them and they all start freaking out. And, you know, some of them try to run, some of them try to kill him. And uh, in the end, he just, he, you know, he takes care of him. He, he webs up the door Tells them all he's not looking for trouble. He just same, came to say goodbye. One of the uh, crooks, you know, he tries to shoot him. And Spider-Man's like, hey, buddy, put the gun away. We're just here to pay our respects to Joe Face. What kind of name is that? Joe Face. I'm assuming that's not his birth name. Joe Face. Uh, Spider-Man then pulls a wad of money out of his costume and drops it in the donation plate and tells them that, you know, buy a good coffin and bury him well. And then he heads home. This part I did find a little confusing because the whole part about Spider-Man, I mean, I read this in uh, one of the Epic collections and it was just a few issues previously. He had just gotten married. He has been 
pining, not pining, he's been complaining the whole time about how he doesn't have any money. But the first chance he gets, he drops a big wad of cash on a guy whose last name is Face. So he goes home. He, of course, starts thinking about death because you can't go to a funeral without thinking about death. And uh, as he's laying in bed, contemplating his life, a spider descends from the ceiling. He reaches out to squish it against the wall and uh, decides to leave it there. You don't want to catalog all the times you had it all figured out and sorted it to its optimal position. Add the optional mess of it. Here it is. I hope you like it. Hope there's somebody listening. Then what about your site? Alighted on the side. It said discuss. Shiny pixels. Click the plus. Many comments. What a fuss. End up in a catalyst. A sage discussion among learned peers. About to find some here. Peruse a couple and the floor disappears. She gets despised and disparaged. Is this normal? Let it go. A single toe. Dips in the fester hole. Subjects to undertow. As if to know your worth itself became debatable. As if anything could be one. Enough to be unhateable. Never read the comments. Never read them. Never, never read the comments. You don't need them. Never, never read the comments. Never read them. Never, never read the comments. Never read the comments. All right, so we go back to to Craven. He is still naked. He's he's taken the robe off. He's completely naked now, and he is all right. I'm gonna start saying naked. That's gonna get old pretty quick, isn't it? The man is nude. He's in the raw. He doesn't have a stitch of clothing on him. He's in the he's in the birthday suit that God gave him. And uh, this is where it starts getting super creepy because this this room that he's in just starts it just starts uh, it begins filling with spiders like they're coming out of these uh, vents or something in the wall. Just thousands and thousands of spiders, and they're around his ankles, and then they're around his knees, and they just keep filling the room. And he starts eating them. These are live spiders, and he just starts eating them. He needs to become the spider before he goes on his hunt tonight. And to do that, he has to eat spiders. And so he's just he's just crunching on him, and there's this pink goo dripping down his chin, and it's in his mustache and stuff. And then from there, Peter wakes up in bed. He's had a nightmare where where he he just he's had this nightmare. He was alone. Things were crawling all over him. Uh, he sees the spider on his hand and he crushes it against the wall instinctively. So he gets out of bed. He's got a headache. He can't sleep. So what does he do? He goes out web slinging. This is where he and Craven meet. So Spider-Man is out web slinging. He can't get the thought there. So the, Ned Leeds is, is, is an old character from the Spider-Man uh, mythos. He's been a part of the title for a while. At this point in the comics, he had recently died. And it was part of the Spider-Man versus Wolverine miniseries, which was also part of this epic collection. He's He can't stop thinking about that. He can't stop thinking about death. And because his mind is so occupied, he almost ignores his spider sense and barely avoids getting shot by a dart. It comes out of the darkness, right? But he was meant to dodge the first one because the second one gets him. And it's a drugged dart. And so he starts, you know, he starts, Ooh, I'm all drugged up and he begins to hallucinate. Uh, he sees the ghost of Joe Face. and um, But then he realizes what's going on because then suddenly Craven's there. They start to fight. Uh, Craven takes him out really quick, of course, because he's drugged up. A net is thrown around Spider-Man and it's, and it's made of a material that Spider-Man cannot rip. He can't bust it open. 
And then Craven walks up to him. He's got a rifle over his shoulder. He pulls the rifle off of his shoulder and he points it at Spider-Man, pulls the trigger, bam. Then we go from there back to Craven's place and he's placing Spider-Man still in the costume in a coffin. They put the coffin in the, in the hole in the ground that the guy had been digging and then they bury him. And there's a tombstone that says, here lies Spider-Man. So having done that, Craven's not done. So he, it's not enough for him to have killed Spider-Man. Now he needs to become Spider-Man. He's got his own costume. And uh, so he's going to go out and he's going to do Spider-Man stuff. Now, in the meantime, we learn about this character named Vermin who has been living in the sewers. Vermin is a character that has shown up before. I don't know. I don't remember the storyline he was in, but based on what they talk about in the book, he uh, he fought Spider-Man and Captain America. It took both Spider-Man and Captain America to take him down. He is like a hybrid man-rat thing. And he lives in the sewers and he looks like a man-rat and he comes up to the surface long enough to grab somebody, pull him into the sewers and eat them. So this is a pretty dark book, really, for 87. We got naked men eating spiders and rat men eating people. So we go back to uh, Peter's apartment. Mary Jane is there. I don't know why she wasn't there the... the, the the night that Peter had a nightmare because, you know, they're they're married. So she's at home and she's waiting for him. There's still a bunch of boxes that she hasn't unpacked. She's worried about her husband because I don't know how long this has been at this point, but she's afraid that he's dead. I don't know why she just immediately leaps to that. But of course, he is Spider-Man. And if she hasn't heard from him in a while, that I guess would be my logical conclusion as well. So she's on the floor with these boxes. She's thinking about Peter. She's wondering where he is. And a rat comes scurrying across the apartment floor. And Mary Jane does what any typical woman would do when faced with a rat in her apartment. No, she does not climb up onto a chair and scream like a girl. She beats the rat to death with her boot. Mary Jane kicks butt. She beats the rat to death with her boot. And then, uh, and then of course, she's kind of grossed out by the uh, smashed up corpse of this rat in her apartment. All right, so we go back to Craven. He is now in the Spider-Man costume. He's been out doing Spider-Man things. He's back at the mansion. He's crawling around on the floor. He pulls uh, the upper portion of the costume off. So now he's like bare chested and he starts drinking like a dog from a bowl on the floor, which is full of hallucinogens. And uh, so of course, if you're going to start taking hallucinogens, you're going to hallucinate. And he's uh, he's doing this on purpose because now he's trying to beat back this fear that he has as a mass of spiders attack him. Like all these spiders, he's hallucinating that all these spiders, I guess, that he has eaten, they have formed together and start beating on him and start fighting him. And then we go back to the sewers. Vermin is down there and he's he's finished eating uh, a woman that he has pulled down in the sewers. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's a nice thing to come upon. And he comes across a page from a newspaper down in the sewer and he sees on the, the front cut page that it's a photo of Spider-Man and it scares him. Ven- Vermin is scared of Spider-Man because he, re- he remembers the last time he encountered Spider-Man with Captain America and how they beat him up. And so he's kind of conflicted at this point because he's afraid of Spider-Man, but he, he doesn't want to be afraid of anyone. So he tries to prove that he is not afraid and he goes up to the surface and he opens up a manhole cover and he's about to pop up out of the manhole cover and he hears footsteps coming 
and it freaks him out because he thinks it's Spider-Man and he dives back into the sewer. Uh, it's not Spider-Man, however. It's Mary Jane. She's out walking around in the rain. She's trying to find her husband. She hasn't seen him in a while. There are two dudes out there on the streets and, you know, they're like, hey, baby. And she uh, she basically tells them to get stuffed, right? They're like, hey, I think one of them makes mention of her tight pants. Those are some tight pants. I don't think I've ever seen pants that tight before in a girl. Oh, my gosh. Can you can look at that, Ralph? Look at them tight pants. And she says basically to get stuffed. We go back to Craven, and he's still fighting the mass of spiders, and he's soon swarmed by them. And we kind of bounce back and forth here for a moment between Craven and Vermin. Vermin thinks he senses somebody calling out to him, and he thinks it's Spider Man, and he's getting angry about it. We go back to Mary Jane. She's walking. She's, you know, she's walked away from these two dudes, but now they're following her. And of course, she's, you know, two dudes in the dark following her on a lonely street. She starts to run. They start to run. They catch up to her. They grab her. They probably probably say, where are you going there, lady in the tight pants? And uh, of course, something bad is going to happen to Mary Jane. But then Spider-Man is there and he he starts, I mean, he brutally beats these men. And of course, it's not Spider-Man. It's Craven. But she thinks it's Peter. And at one point, as he's beating these men, she, she, she begs him to stop. And he does... But uh, then he leaves and she's like that. That wasn't Peter. She she knows it's not Peter at that point because Peter wouldn't have done that. Vermin at that point, he comes, he emerges from the sewers. He's looking for Spider-Man. He's not sure, though. I mean, here's a guy who's a rat man. He lives in the sewers. He comes out of the sewers and he's like, all right, I'm going to find Spider-Man. And he's out there and he's like, "Uh, where do I start? No idea. Uh, So instead, he goes to find something or someone to eat. So time passes. Craven is now out as Spider-Man. He's fighting crime, but he's he's very brutal about it. He's, you know, Spider-Man's dead. He's he's in he's he's underground and and uh now Craven is out there as Spider-Man and he's I mean, he is fighting crime, but he's he's being very brutal about it. And at one point he barges in on a gang of crooks. They're engaged in a drug deal and he beats them into submission. But one of them so, okay, so he's fighting these, he's fighting these crooks, and one of them, he kind of, you, it looks like he breaks the guy's neck, right? The police arrive, and of course, they're like, stand down, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's like, screw you, pigs. He doesn't say that. And so he takes off, and uh, one of the officers is, you know, man, Spider-Man's been on a rampage all week, and the other cop's like, well, hey, man, that's all right. He's doing what we can't do. He's taking care of criminals. He's doing, he's fighting the good fight. But one of the cops is like, uh, this drug dealer is dead. Spider-Man has killed. So Spider-Man's name now is, of course, Sullied. Craven, however, he's kind of going through an identity crisis. He's starting to think of himself now as the spider. But at, at one point, he's like, he's like, no, I'm not the, the, I'm not the spider. I am superior to Spider-Man because I have defeated the wall crawler. Elsewhere in the city, a woman tries to hail a cab. It passes her by. And she's like, come on, it's raining. But she just decides to walk. She's thinking to herself as she's walking that it's probably not going to be a good idea to do this. But she's where she's going is only 10 blocks away. And it's at this time that Vermin reaches out from an alley, snatches her, pulls her in, kills her. He starts eating her. After he's eaten some of her, he leaves. He's going to go find Captain America and Spider-Man. 
but he comes across a squad car and he leaps on the hood, smashes through the windshield, grabs the one of the police officers in the in the squad car, pulls pulls the police officer out, throws the officer into the street, and then this police officer is he's just suddenly swarmed by an army of rats. Vermin can control rats. So this army of rats just comes up out of the sewers and starts just eating and chewing on this guy, just biting all over him. But the officer's partner shoots Vermin, wings him. Vermin goes to attack her. But then for some reason, she reminds him of his mother. So he's on top of her. He licks her face, orders his rats back into the sewer, and then runs away. That Vermin is a creepy dude. I mean, obviously, he's a rat man. Rats are not the the loveliest of creatures. So we go from there to uh, the home of Joe Robertson. He is the he runs the the Daily Bugle. It's still owned by J. Jonah Jameson, but uh, Robbie Robertson, uh, that's what they call him. He runs the thing. Uh, it's it's nighttime. There's a knock at the door. He opens it, and there's Mary Jane. Mary Jane is, you know, it's it's been over a week now, and Peter has not come home. She she feels like for as long as Peter has been working at the paper and for as much respect as Peter has for Robbie, she kind of feels like Peter may have told Robbie that he's Spider-Man. She doesn't know this for a fact, but she feels that Robbie knows. And if Peter hasn't told him that he's figured it out on his own. And so she's gone there because she doesn't know who to talk to. She hasn't, they don't really talk about this. I'm assuming she hasn't gone to the police because she feels like it would then come out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I don't know. So that's why she goes to Robbie and Robbie can tell that there's something wrong. But as she's there, once she's there, once she's face to face with the man, she starts to have second thoughts. You know, what if Robbie doesn't know? And what if I out Peter and we find out Peter's okay? You know, heck, just not that long ago, he was uh, walked into that structure in Central Park and went to fight the secret wars. And he, he was okay when he came back. Maybe this is another one of those situations. She doesn't actually think any of that. I'm, I'm postulating at this point. But that's kind of what's going through her mind. You know, maybe Peter is okay. And I shouldn't say anything to Robbie just in case because he might not know. And so then she leaves. She apologizes. She's like, you know what? Never mind. I got to go. And, you know, he tries to, you can see it's, I, I really liked this moment because you could see that, you know, he could, he could tell that she was struggling with something and he really wanted to help her, but she just, she wouldn't, she shut down and she walked away. I hate your blog. It's incredibly terrible and bad. Everybody, I hate your blog. It's incredibly terrible. Feet. You post about it, I get to read it Plus eight paragraphs on the socks you bought And your thoughts on whether Luke or Richie's hot or not You've got no reason to be typing Yet you persist in each key with your fist Till you punch out your top ten list Of things that ever happened in your life Number one, met Michael Jackson's second wife Number two, caught early on the witch dude Are you all? It's the gift through slick or the link through three Saw puppy pictures on a web page Kittens in the nest egg The idea devastated Why not open up your own So you bought the account And yeah, I hope you don't Put the payments in on it Every month like they want Cause then you disappear Off the internet Haunt just a way back machine Like a ghost 
And I won't be like, how come you don't post? I promise I won't. Okay, so we go back to the Kravenov estate. That's, of course, where, where Craven lives because he is a Kravenov. And he is tormenting a rat in a cage with a knife because he is just a wonderful guy. And he kind of realizes that uh, before he can really prove to himself that he is superior to Spider-Man, he needs one final test. And he senses that out there somewhere in the city, there is a creature to hunt. And that's when we go back to Vermin. He is looking up. He's down in the sewers. He's looking up to the surface in fear. And he feels that there's something dangerous that is now stalking him. And that, of course, is going to be Craven. So later, dressed as Spider-Man, Craven tracks down Vermin. Uh, he's down there. Vermin's just down there. He's taking a nap. He's just till- he's chilling in the sewers. You know, he's just taking a rest. He's having a bit of a lie down, as they say over across the pond, having a bit of a lie down. So Vermin sees Craven dressed as Spider-Man. He thinks that it's actually Spider-Man and just freaks out. Craven uh, begins to mock him over Vermin's last defeat by Spider-Man. And Vermin points out that uh, Spider-Man had to have Captain America to help him and realizes, wait a minute, Spider-Man had to have Captain America there to help him. And now Spider-Man doesn't have Captain America there. And so he attacks. And so they're fighting. And eventually, uh, Craven, of course, subdues him. And, uh, this whole time, since, since the beginning of the story, since Spider-Man was shot and buried, every now and then at the bottom of certain pages, we would go back to the grave where Spider-Man is. And, uh, you would see a rat crawling across the grave. You'd see a spider on the grave. And at this point, we go back to the grave and Spider-Man's hand busts, just bursts right out of the dirt. And Spider-Man then pulls himself out of the dirt. He was not dead. He's been un- He's been down there for two weeks, but he's not dead. And of course, his first thought is for his wife, Mary Jane. And then we go to this, this, uh, s- you, these series of panels where Peter, he's he's in like this white void. He's tucked into a fetal position. Basically, it's him kind of in his drugged out state. We've gone back and we're now visiting Peter while he was in this this coffin underground. And it's these hallucinations that he's having in this drugged out state that uh, allows him to embrace being the immortal spider and tunnel his way out of the grave. Um, so when he pulls himself out of the grave, he realizes, of course, that what had happened and that Craven hadn't actually shot him with the real bullet, must have shot him with some kind of dart that uh, made him feel, you know, made him seem to be dead. So he's pulled himself out of the ground. There's a raging storm all around him. He heads towards Craven's mansion. He searches the property. He can't find anybody. He goes into the library. He finds some uh, newspapers. And he reads uh, that on the front pages of some of these newspapers are about Spider-Man going berserk, about Vermin's uh, murder spree. And reading the dates on the papers, it's when that's when he realizes that he's been buried underground for two weeks. And 
he, of course, of course he gets freaking angry and uh, realizes that Craven left him, buried him alive, left him for dead for two weeks and has been out there perverting his identity. Uh, he goes into Craven's trophy room and just rips everything apart. Two of Craven's assistants come in and sees what's going on and they're like, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the frick out of here. But Spider-Man, you know, stops him, wants to know where Craven is. The two guys, they just, they're so scared they can't even talk. So Spider-Man just, he, he leaves, he leaps out the window into the storm. Uh, we go back to Craven. He's somewhere still in his Spider-Man costume. He's removed his mask and he somehow senses that Spider-Man is free. Um, and then with him is an electrified cage and Vermin is in the cage and he's freaking out. He keeps trying to get out of the cage. Every time he grabs the bars, the electricity hits him and he's, and he's blasted back. We go back to uh, Mary Jane and Peter's apartment. Mary Jane is up late. She's watching the news. She's, uh, she's starting, she, she's, she's freaking out because she's realized obviously that this man who is posing as Spider-Man is not her husband. And she's worried that whoever this guy is, he has killed Peter. And then Peter, dressed as Spider-Man, comes into the room and she's like, you know, she's a little nervous for a moment, but he pulls off his mask. It's Peter and they're just, you know, they just, they fall into a loving embrace and crawl into bed together. And uh, after all that is said and done, Peter wakes up and he decides he's going to go back out and look for Craven and Vermin. Mary Jane, of course, is like, what are you doing? You just, you've been buried alive for two weeks. You just crawled out of your own freaking grave. And now you're going back out there. You're not at 100%. You need to settle down. You need to recover. And Peter, Peter knows that she's right. But at the same time, she also knows that there's a guy out there sullying his bad name and uh, that there's this rat man out there eating people. And so even though she tries to talk her husband into staying, uh, he won't. She tries to get him to talk about what happened. He won't talk to her. And he uh, he leaves. He leaves. He jumps out the window. So he's swinging around the city looking for Craven. Craven can sense that Spider-Man's looking for him. Spider-Man's spidey sense goes off and it just leads him right to Craven. Uh, Craven is there with Vermin in this cage. Spider-Man, you know, confronts him and, uh, you know, two weeks. You took two weeks from my life and you're destroying my name and I'm going to freaking beat you to a pulp. And Craven is like, he's like, you know what, dude, chill. It doesn't matter anymore because I have defeated you and... He strips off the costume, Craven does. So now Craven is naked in front of Spider-Man and um, he has, he tells Spider-Man, all right, well, follow me. You know what? Chill out, follow me. And for some reason, instead of just beating him to a pulp, Spider-Man follows him. He takes him to this trophy room place and he shows him these uh, these articles about the, uh, the, the cannibal killer, which is what they were calling Vermin. And then he starts bragging, you know, it's like, look, I took out Vermin. You couldn't do it by yourself. I could... I'm better than you. They fight for a bit. Spider-Man, of course, he's still, he's, of course, very angry. Craven is just boasting it up. He jumps on the back of one of, of a stuffed ele elephant. Spider-Man flips the elephant over. Craven crashes to the ground. He gets back onto his feet. And then he lets Vermin go. So then Craven lets Vermin go and he tells Spider-Man that he's got to fight Vermin. You know, if he's going to, if he's going to prove to Craven that he, that Craven didn't win, that he's got a battle. Vermin and Spider-Man tells him no. Vermin, on the other hand, attacks Spider-Man and they're fighting. And uh, Spider-Man's like, look, it wasn't me. Okay, it was this dude. And uh, 
Vermin doesn't care. He's ready to kill Spider-Man. And and he overpowers Spider-Man. He's about to kill him. And then Craven intervenes. He pulls Vermin back, pins his hand to the wall with a knife, just chunk right to his hand with a knife. And he tells um, tells Vermin that the point has been made. You're free to go. He pulls the knife out and Vermin escapes. Now, it's at this point that Craven's like, all right, well, you know, you can stay here and we can fight it out. It doesn't matter because I have won. I have proven that I'm better than you. I bested you. I buried you. I became you. I beat Vermin and you couldn't do it. I am truly the spider. You can, uh, we can sit here and fight or you can go chase down Vermin because he's going to go out there and eat more people. Spider-Man, of course, is like, all right, I'll be back. I'm going to go get Vermin and then I'll be back. So Spider-Man leaves and uh, Craven is very, he's very calm at this point. He's just very resolute. He's just, he's very, um, he's just very resolved. He's just, you know, he's like, all right, everything's done. I'm cool. It's all, it's all okay. And uh, because he, you know, at this point he's, he, he feels he has achieved the ultimate goal. He has, you know, He's bested Spider-Man, the ultimate hunt. And uh, so the only thing left for him to do is he picks up the rifle, puts the barrel in his mouth, and he blows his head off. We don't actually see that. They're not, they don't show us him blowing his head off. We see him put the rifle into his mouth and then blood splatter on the wall. So again, very dark book. So Spider-Man goes down in the sewers. He finds vermin. They fight. Of course, uh, as they fight in the sewer, Vermin again is winning and he's, he's, he at one point plunges, um, Spider-Man's head into, uh, into this big, you know, into the sewer water to drown him. This reminds Spider-Man of being buried alive. He freaks out and he gets loose and he runs away. Vermin chases him out of the sewer. So now they're outside fighting in the storm. The sun is rising. It's, it's, it's morning time. The sun is rising. And Vermin just, he freaks out. He's horrified, you know, that he's out on the surface in the light of day. He freezes in the middle of traffic and he's almost run over by a truck, but Spider-Man saves him. He wraps him up with his webbing and he turns him over to the police. And then, but he tells Vermin, he's like, I am going to get you in contact uh, with Mr. Fantastic because I think Reed Richards can help you. So even... Being what he is, even Vermin being what he is, Spider-Man still wants to help him because Spider-Man's a good dude. And so everything's over. Spider-Man goes back to Mary Jane. Uh, the police discover Craven, who has killed himself, and he's left a suicide note and a confession, confessing that uh, what he did to Spider-Man, how he dressed as Spider-Man, and he was beating people and murdered the dude and everything. So it all worked out in the end. Yay! This was a great freaking story. So six issues, great. Oh my gosh. And it was so, it was just so beautiful. It is a beautiful book. Of course, being Mike Zek, it's going to be beautiful. But the story, I mean, it was so dark. And we're talking 1987. So I guess stuff like uh, Dark Knight Returns had been out by this point. And of course, Watchmen. Uh, So it wasn't like stuff like this hadn't been seen before. Okay, so I'll tell you what. Why don't we have a quick break, listen to some more music, and then I'll come back with just a little bit of information about how 
Craven's Last Hunt came to be, and then we'll close out the show. Sometimes I wish I loved you. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I wish I loved you. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I look back on our earliest love affairs. I had so many hairs, and you were made of everyone everywhere. Or so I imagined, actually, just a bunch of me types. Typing into mud games, geeking on the weeknights. Hunting drug recipe text files with a gopher client. You're supposed to be studying, oh no, but you're so defiant. It was giant Usenet porn over the dial-up, over the rickety PBX, which might go silent. Internet was precious to me, and it remains so. But it isn't like in the early days, the achy pains grow ever more insistent. They get inside my melon, they tell me pretty subtly, I mean, besides the yelling that I don't love you anymore, internet. You used to be a safe home for my nerd heart and my intellect. Now you got so much hate that you just gotta interject. Now you got too many chefs up in your kitchenette. Sometimes I wish I loved you. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Sometimes I wish I loved you. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Okay, so full disclosure, all the information here I'm going to give you, this giant knowledge drop I'm about to throw atop you all comes from Wikipedia. So take it with a grain of salt or wherever, you know, a loaf of bread, I don't care. All right, so sometime in the in the 80s, J.M. DeMatteis, he went to Marvel and he proposed a Wonder Man limited series. This would involve his uh, half-brother, the Grim Reaper, and... In the story, Wonder Man is buried alive and ultimately crawls out of the grave. Now, uh, Tom DeFalco over at Marvel just turned it down, said, nope, hit the bricks, buddy. This isn't something we're looking for. And so a few years later, DeMatteis uh, took his idea. He kind of reworked the scene of a hero crawling from a grave, and he uh, turned it into a Batman story that would explore... What would happen if the Joker actually killed Batman? And according to DeMatteis, it would effectively turn the Joker, quote unquote, sane. So when he pitched this story to DC, it was rejected because it was a little similar, they said, to another Batman story that they were developing called The Killing Joke. Not sure if you know about that one, but it was being developed at the time. So then he reworked the story again to use Hugo Strange instead of the Joker, but again, it was rejected. And so finally, he pitched the idea to Marvel once again, but this time with Spider-Man and a new villain uh, in which he created specifically for this story. And at this point, Marvel said, let's do it. They gave him the big thumbs up. So there were uh, a lot of elements added to the story as he began to write it, stuff he didn't have in mind, I guess, in the beginning For example, uh, Marvel, they were planning on marrying Spider-Man and Mary Jane. And so DeMatteis added that to the story as kind of a focus on their marriage. You know, the whole stuff with Mary Jane, all that stuff with Mary Jane going to Robbie, you know, just all the torture that she had to go through because she didn't know where Spider-Man was. All that was added um, to the story because, you know he knew that they were going to marry him. 
he also substituted Craven. He, he took the new villain that he created out and he put Craven in instead. And according to Wikipedia, it was all because he had a chance to, to look at Craven's entry in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. Now, I don't know what was in that entry, but I guess he was just flipping through and he went, hey, this guy's a hunter. That kind of fits in. I'm going to use him. And so that's how we got Craven's last hunt. Mike Zeck was then brought on as the penciler, which DeMatteis liked. He thought it was a good idea to use Mike Zeck because the two of them together had created the character of Vermin. Anyway, it was it was originally intended to run entirely in the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man book, but the editor, Jim Salakrip, decided to publish it as a crossover because, I mean, it makes sense. His argument was if we do it in just one book and have it go on for six months, it's going to kind of confuse people when Peter Parker is alive in the other books that are coming out at the time. So that that made sense. And then in 1994, DC went ahead and published uh, DeMatteis's Batman Joker story that he originally, you know, that almost kind of started this whole thing. And uh, they did that version as a story called Going Sane. And that was in Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, issues number 65 through 68, which I did go out and look for on Comixology. And I, I they, they do have them. I just, I just didn't feel like buying them at this point because, you know, low rent. Okay, so I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the Stephen or Else podcast. It actually does really mean a lot that you're listening because, I mean, there's a crap ton of podcasts out there. There are just so many freaking podcasts and more and more are starting every single day. I go out to, uh, there's a few podcast subreddits out on the Reddit and every day, there are at least two new threads started by somebody saying, I've started a new podcast. So I have to assume at this point that the number of podcasts out there being produced are in the millions. And the fact that you would make time in your schedule to listen to my podcast, I think that's pretty cool. So thank you. Thank you a lot. You can email your questions and comments to stephenrls at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment to the episode over on the site. That is stephenorels.com. You can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. I've been spending a lot of time on the Instagram. Every day I'm posting panels from the books that I'm talking about on the show. So, you know, if you follow me over there, you listen to the episode, you follow me over there, you'll see a lot of the panels that I, you know, of the books that I'm talking about during the week that the episode comes out. I also invite you to join me over at the Reddit that's at reddit.com slash r slash Stephen or else. We got our own subreddit. Come on in and join the fun. You can also join my Patreon. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can be a supporter of the show. With that, just that one single little dollar, you'll also have access to the exclusive My Other Podcast podcast. And that goes out twice a week. And with rare exception is only available to my patrons. This is a short 15-minute show twice a week in which I do talk comics, but I also go behind the scenes a bit and I talk about what's coming up on the show, why I'm doing certain things, or just, you know, what's stuck in my craw, what makes me angry. So go forth, go out there, patreon.com slash and make your pledge and find yourself a member of a larger world. And again, a dollar a month, that's all I'm asking. There are other higher tiers 
but you get my other podcast for only a dollar, a dollar a month. That's less than 25 cents per episode, really, because I do two, two a week. And you know what? If you still want to support the show, but you can't do so monetarily, just get out there and spread the word. Get out there on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and all those other places and just recommend the show. Word of mouth can spread like wildfire out there on the internets. So spread the word, Thunderbird. The Stephen Rouse Podcast is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. The music from this episode comes from MC Frontalot's new album, Split, or the fathomless heartbreak of online itself. Find it and more music by MC Frontalot at frontalot.com. And of course, all of those links will be in the show notes. So don't worry about writing any of that stuff down. Just go into the show notes and you got access to everything right there in front of you. So until next week, I'm Steven, and this has been my podcast. Be nice to each other. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.